Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Green. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, We, I'm just going to start right off the bat promoting the Great Create. Libertarian Party is putting on a DIY festival uh, in May, May 12th through the 14th. Everyone is welcome. It's not strictly geared towards libertarians. It's it's literally for anybody who wants to be a little more self-sufficient, um, gain a little more knowledge on how to do things like grow mushrooms, uh, can can food, um, build houses, do construction, that kind of thing. Um, it's going to be a very good time. We're having a film festival. We're having um, some musical acts come out, some comedians come out. Um, fun for the whole family. So we're doing some live podcasts, including this podcast. We'll do a live version of it um, at the festival. Shane Hazel will be there doing a live version of Radical. Um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty great time. And it's only 87 days away. Jeez, that is pretty close. You can go get your tickets right now. Um, yeah, let's see. We got Shane Hazel, Edgar Mills, John Mons, just a whole wealth of awesome people showing up to this thing um, to show people how to be a little more self-sufficient and rely less on government and and things of that nature. So um, today we have a guest with us. Um, she is Daywalker Comedy. So before she gets on screen, let's let's watch one of her one of her sketches. Mass destruction. They're in your kitchen. Every year, millions of Americans are harmed by gas stoves. A gas stove attacked my kid, melted her face clean off. You want to see? Um. Lost my husband to a gas stove. They're probably on a beach in Boca Raton together right now. A gas stove killed my Travis! Mom, when's dinner gonna be? No! We are Mothers Against Gas Assault Stoves. Or Modest for short. President Biden, we urge you to get gas off the streets and out of the hands of criminals. Don't fall for the big gas propaganda. Now, with my new, less sexually threatening electric stove, I can truly bake back better. Don't you need eggs for baking? <laughs> In this economy? <laughs> Shit. How much you think Travis would go for? Like a half dozen or? Bye, Travis. Mama loves you. <laughs> All right. And welcome to the podcast, Daywalker Comedy. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. What gave you the inspiration for that uh, for that particular sketch? Twitter. <laughs> like I, I, I feel like every day I'm like, today is the day I run out of ideas, and then I'll go on Twitter and see like whatever you know, whatever thing people are arguing about that day, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess today is the day that we're gonna have put, put our shotgun in a stove and pretend that it's a machine gun. It's an automatic, <laughs> fully automatic shotgun. It's very I mean, the, rare. The the fact that gas stoves were even brought up in Congress or like focused on on Twitter to begin with is absolutely ridiculous. So it it. it it was just begging to be made fun of. <laughs> it was funny too. Cause I feel like, you know, a week before 
you know, a lot of my friends on the left had no opinions about electric or gas stoves, but it's just funny right. that like, you know, like whatever the new culture war topic comes out, each side falls in line. They get their, you know, their, their dossiers like, all right, this is, this is, these are our talking points. These are our talking points. Great. And suddenly I'm seeing all these people being like, actually gas stoves um, gave my son asthma. Actually this, I'm like, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's true, but it's just really weird that it happens to align with like, oh, well, this side did it. Well, then we're on the opposite side. So I'm like, y'all are all dumb and i'm gonna make fun of you this is kind yep. of the gist completely <laughs> agree <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, libertarian banner that's uh going around that's just always or already against the next big thing like the I next, like that. next big thing that's <laughs> out there we're already against it immediately right like <laughs> it, <laughs> i've already like like you know dug my not, not not i was gonna say dug my feet in the sand i'm mixing my metaphors i was gonna say heels in the yeah. sand line in the sand and i said none of those i said feet in the sand <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Yeah. 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 No, it's confusing, but it, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Pretend it's like art or something that I just did. I just, sure. it's just, a, it's a thinker. You really have to, you know, you'll wake up at three in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, now I know what she meant. It was right. a metaphor. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you, or like how you got into libertarianism or this world? Uh, yeah, so I'm Daywalker Comedy. My civilian name is Amanda Miller. I'm a voice actor, on-camera actor, all sorts of stuff. But I kind of got into, I mean, I've always been a weirdo, if you can't tell, but I had, um, you know, I've always been writing, doing stuff, but I was always a little bit afraid to because in Hollywood, things are very... Uh, it's a little one-sided, I guess. Like everybody kind of, we all fall in line. We all have the same views in LA where I lived for eight years. It's kind of a one-party city. So after a while, you kind of lose touch with, I don't know, the common man. So like mm -hmm. once I uh, once I left, I left in 2018 because I, I, I hated LA while I was there. It never felt like home even after eight years. But it wasn't until after I left and I came to Georgia that I was like, oh, okay, right. These are real people. Like these are... <laughs> This is what real people think. And most people don't care. They're not all wrapped up. And I mean, you know, people care about politics, but the average person is like, look, I'm just trying to live my life and like, you know, have fun with my family in, in the small time I have on this earth. Like, I, I'm not going to get obsessed with whatever, you know, social justice issue or whatever is happening. You know, not mm -hmm. that social doesn't matter, but I'm just saying the way that my friends would get wound up in everything and they're like, half the country hates us half the country wants us dead so that was kind of a it's a it's a long awakening to i guess libertarianism mm -hmm. uh you know so like growing up you know my dad was uh not was is a, a black conservative so i always kind of grew up with a different viewpoint in my household so even though i didn't wasn't necessarily conservative myself i was pretty apolitical i at least understood why somebody might want small government i i understood why somebody might before school choice and you know like it was always I, I heard some of the smarter arguments so I already kind of was more open to being friends with people on both sides which got me in trouble when I was in LA because I think uh it was in 2018 I dated a, a Trump supporter and uh, I kept having to apologize I'm like I'm so sorry guys he's and I, kept, I was like oh uh, he's he's really hot but I mean I mean he was hot but also like we had great conversations and I had better conversations with him who I thought was my enemy at the time than with a lot of my friends when, you know, mm. I bring up a common sense point, they would be like, you can't think that that's white supremacy or that's whatever. Like, whereas he didn't jump down my throat. We could actually talk. So mm. 
that and then like I got in trouble for liking the Roseanne reboot like just the stupidest stuff when I was in LA <laughs> I was like hey I actually like this like I like that it's balanced it kind of makes fun of both sides but it also gives empathy to both sides and I think the show will bring the country back together and people are like how can you say that um so anyway they, they made sure that didn't happen <laughs> yeah no I I'm very curious to see what this country would have been and I know that's mm. such a dramatic thing to say, but if you watched, it was like 10 episodes, but I watched them and I remember being like, I haven't seen something like this on TV in a while where it's, mm. it wasn't, you know, cause Roseanne clearly had her kind of leanings, but then she also had, I think like Wanda Sykes and Whitney Cummings who had their leanings, but they all respected each other. So you could tell that the writer's room was split. And so you had them kind of making jokes about the other side, but also understanding why they believe what they believe. So, mm. yeah. So like I said, of course they couldn't have that. Uh, going so anyway it was when i moved to georgia that i kind of started being like all right cool like not everything has to be political awesome i feel like i can breathe and then 2020 happened and it was a couple things in a row it was like dominoes that kind of knocked each other over for me that kind of made me be like maybe government is not the answer you know so um one of them was you know the way covid was being treated uh, I don't want to get you guys like in trouble. Can I say the C word? On you can say YouTube? whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> the C <laughs> word. Um, but yeah, so I, I was with uh, my two roommates at the time were very much kind of like Twitter warriors. And so they're like, we have to do this and that and that. Like they kind of just followed all the marching orders and they never questioned anything. And I'd be like, hey guys, it's saying like, you know, thousands of kids have died. Like, like it's, I think it was it Sonia Sotomayor at one point mm. said something like 200,000 children had died. I don't know if that was 2020 or 2021, but either way, people were saying, oh, the children, think of the children. But then I went on the CDC's website and I would actually look at the tallies. I'm like, this is not lining up. Why is the media saying this thing? But even the CDC who like you would think they would be like simpatico is saying this right. and i would be getting in trouble for just pointing that out yeah so that kind of started i think my questioning which kind of led down the kind of libertarian pipeline because i was like well well you know the media is not telling me the truth why why are they not telling me the truth who else is lying to me and you kind of that that mm. rabbit hole that the red pill rabbit hole or whatever you would call it um and i think yeah. it was the thought the thought of what was it why I, I remember like my mental health was like really struggling that year like you know not being able to interact with people not being able to leave the house being like when is this going to end like i have no support system like what's going on and i remember thinking like why can't i go to a business if that business wants to be open and is willing to risk you know getting covid because they would rather be able to feed their their family or you know keep their business i.e their livelihood their their whole you know their income afloat if they're willing to take that risk and I'm willing to take the risk of getting it, why is that anybody else's business? Like, I'm not giving it to you. You know, so that was probably my first, not my first libertarian thought. I think my first libertarian thought was when I got my first paycheck and I went to my dad and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but, you know, so he's, he's like, you've always been a little libertarian. But I think that was my first like, huh. And kind of the idea of like consent and the idea of like, well, if I'm a consenting adult, they're a consenting adult. And we're willing to take the amount of risk, get out of my way. You know, like, I don't know. That was kind of my first moment. And then I st yeah. started going down more and more watching like Eric July and like these people on, on, on YouTube and being like, wait, he's, 
he's he's a brown person, but he's saying he doesn't support you know the the, the BLM organization. What? What? You know. So I'm kind of just realizing <laughs> there's other ways to view a lot of these situations, and it doesn't make you a bigot, which is you know. My yeah, and that, that's hard. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's really hard to uh, break out of that box when you're in LA. Like, it, you're yeah. either all or nothing. If you don't agree with them on everything, then you are a racist. You're a bigot. You're all these terrible things that they call you. Which is, I've been there. But I, I moved from LA as well. So, oh you know, wait, when? Uh, I moved here in 2017. Okay, so and how long yeah. were you in LA before that? Uh, three years. Okay, so you were there. You were there long enough for uh, to see how how crappy it is. And I, yeah. I don't want to say that everybody there's crappy because I have some great friends from there. But it's a Agreed. weird city. It's it. I don't know. It's getting worse. It, it is weird. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole bunch of people who, who who spend like their entire day exploring their feelings. And <laughs> if you just live in the world of feelings um, and don't have any type of, you know, rationality involved in that, then then uh, it's going to lead you down some pretty dark paths and pretty destructive paths. I would say I would uh, I would 100% agree. And it's weird because um, Clifton Duncan, who's kind of in our space, was uh, he tweeted something about that earlier where it's like it's always so surprising to me that actors, you know, we spend our time. We're supposed to live in other people's shoes. We're supposed to be the masters of empathy. We're supposed to be people who you're never supposed to judge your character, even if your character is the scum of the earth you have to as the actor understand why they're doing what they're doing and find a way to justify it for yourself so it's so mm. crazy that we can spend our whole life our careers doing this yet we can't do it for like our friends our aunts our uncles or you know like the people that we've disowned because of their po their politics and their point of view like that's the ultimate hypocrisy and, and so clifton had wrote wrote something about that we should be yeah like experts in curiosity and empathy and that art mm. would be in a lot better place right now if we all were. So yes, completely agree. Um, what was it that first like got you into the entertainment business? I mean, I was always a little performer, which is weird because I was all, always very shy too. So I, mm. I would perform for my parents. I'd put on little shows for them, but I'd be like, yeah. "Turn around and don't look at me." <laughs> so, like, I had this this like fear. Like, I'm like, I have to be seen. I have to put my art out there, but also, please don't look at me, dear God. Um, so, which is funny because I'm, you know, I'm literally now only now starting to get over that. That's literally what Daywalker is about: is me finally putting myself out there. Because when you're an actor, you're saying other people's words. You can kind of hide behind. You know, like if somebody doesn't like a project, yeah. you're like, well, I didn't write it, you know, or, oh, well, you know, the direction or you can kind of. Yes, we do bring something. If you're a good actor, you bring a role to life. But ultimately, I can hide when I'm the writer and creator and producer of my mm. own sketches or my own content. That's my brain, you know, my thoughts, my opinions. And so it's much more vulnerable because then if somebody sees it and they don't like it, they'll be like, oh. I don't like you, you know, so it's much, much more <laughs> personal to me. So like, it's been an interesting journey this like past year or so that I've started this channel. Cause I've been wanting to do this kind of content for a like probably since about like early 2020, like when I started kind of having these, like, I don't know, not degenerate thoughts. I've always had degenerate thoughts. Um, <laughs> uh, what is the word? Dissenting thoughts. I don't know. Like I started kind of being like, I want to fight back 
I'm tired of being told what to think. I'm tired of, I don't think I'm the only one out there who feels this way. So I wanted to start putting stuff out, but I was so afraid. And it wasn't until probably like end of 2021 that I was finally like, all right, I can't, I can't keep like hiding because it, it's like eating me alive. Like I would write all these sketches, like some of the sketches that I have out now, I wrote like two years ago, but I didn't have the courage to put it out. Cause I was like, I could lose my acting career. I could lose, mm. I could get blacklisted, but I'm realizing I don't think I'm as extreme as LA people would like me to think. I think most people are pretty reasonable and can take a joke. So we'll see how it goes. I completely agree. Where did the uh, name Daywalker comedy come from? Uh, Cause me and my friend Timmy uh, always called ourselves daywalkers because like I was always kind of the in-between, like, you know, I'm part black, part white, but I kind of don't quite look mixed. People are like, Oh, are you Hispanic? Are you Middle Eastern? So I kind of was like a racial daywalker. Like I would literally <laughs> um, before it was taboo to do it. I would go out for all kinds of ethnicities. Like they would send me out for Hispanic characters. They'd send me out for Middle Eastern characters. I was taking Arabic classes because I wanted to be able to do it right. You know, nice. um, that's a tough language. It is. It's, 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 but it's cool too, because it's like so different from the ones I'm used to. I'm used to like romance languages or Germanic right. languages, like, <laughs> but no, Arabic's like a whole other, whole other mm -hmm. world. But, uh, what were Arabic? Why was I talking about Arabic? Oh yeah. Being <laughs> yeah. a daywalker. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, where did I go? So, um, yeah, just kind of being like ethnically kind of always being in between. People were always like, are you black or are you white? Pick one. I was like, no, I'm both. Like, what, are, what is this? And like, what so there's that. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. I remember, I remember when I was in middle school or something, I watched an episode of Dr. Phil and he was like telling a mixed kid, he's like, well, you know, son, you got to pick a team and you got to play for them. Goodness like, gracious. <laughs> Lost all respect at that moment. It's, it's literally <laughs> choosing between your mom and your dad. <laughs> That's what I would tell people. See, you know, what? I've probably always been a little bit political, I guess, because in eighth grade, I wrote a letter to the school board because every time we took a test, I had to fill out my race. And I was like, why? Like, why, why does this matter? Like, right before I'm taking a test, why do I have to fill out a Scantron? And there was no option for other. You had to pick only one. And I was like, well, I am not only one. And this mm. feels dumb. Why before a test? Like, other kids, fine. If they're white or black, they can just fill it in. But for me, you're causing me, like, this annoyance right before mm -hmm. I'm trying to focus on something, either yeah. give me an option to say other or opt out. You know, why are you forcing me to, you know, force? <laughs> like, I guess that's probably <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, I, anyway, I, it was, I wrote an eight page uh, letter to the, uh, the school board and uh, they, they wrote back and they were like, Hey, th thank you for your letter. Uh, we can't really do anything about it, but thank you for the letter. But then a couple of years later, they did change it. So I'm going to pretend that I did that. Uh, I mean, I, Bet it was an accumulation of you and a bunch of people like you. Probably like a bunch of fellow daywalkers who are kind of like, hey, we're the in-betweeners. Like, and now it's now it's more popular. Not or not popular. It's more common for people to be mixed race or to have, you know, be hmm. in an interracial relationship. But in the 90s, I guess people were like still kind of in that binary mindset of like you're either black or you're white. Or right. you're, you know, I was raised religious, but then I also had a lot of skepticism. So I was too skeptical for my church friends. They're like, you're basically an atheist. I'm like, no, I'm not. I just am questioning things. And then, you know, my, my atheist friends are like, oh, you're too woo woo. So it's just like every group I always felt, you know, or I was a tomboy, like everything I did, I always felt like I wasn't quite on one side or the other, which I don't think most people actually are. I think a lot of us are in betweeners, but that's kind of where the name 
came from because it's like I've always kind of moved between groups but never fully belonged in them but I can kind of just like sneak around like a day walker you know and (laughs) my friend Timmy was the same so he was like you know he was the gay kid in his high school but he was like I'm not like the other gays because he was like the punk rock gay so it's just funny because like that's basically we're like yeah we're we're the day walkers and now I get how annoying and cringy that is to be like I'm not like other kids but (laughs) it is it's a great name though I love that I love the I love the name of your channel. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, I felt like it was one word that summed up kind of the essence of what I want. Because I didn't want it to be like, oh, this is just, uh, you know, comedy that's libertarian or comedy that's uh, conservative or comedy that's liberal. Because, like, I'm kind of, depending on the issue, you'll find me on different stances on it. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. check off all the boxes all the way down. I think that's weird when we do. Because it means we're not really free thinking. We're kind of just like, well, Mm -hmm. if everybody in my group agrees in these things... I mean, yeah, maybe it's because you have a similar ideology, so they would line up. But a lot of times on Twitter, I'm seeing people, like we said earlier with the gas stoves, they fall in line. They see where everybody else is standing on it, and then they fall in line accordingly. And I just wish we wouldn't do that. So daywalkers daywalkers move between. Daywalkers are able to say, I agree on this stance, but actually in this circumstance, I don't. Like, they're okay being in that nebulous in-between area. Interesting. So you have a whole, like, definition behind it. Yeah, because I, you know, like when I do my live streams, I kind of try to like encourage a certain attitude. I want people to question things. I don't want people to take everything I say and just agree with it. Like if they have an issue, I want them to comment and explain to me kind of like what we're, you know, what their perspective is on it. And we can have a conversation because I think that's what this country, I think that's what this country is missing. Like really, I don't know, like my mind has been changed so many times. I think that's also why I'm very hesitant to say I'm this thing or that thing because I've I just I've I've changed my mind and my opinions and my worldview so many times when I get new information mm-hmm. and I have to incorporate it that I just accepted like in a year from now I'll probably be in a different place than I am now so instead of being like I'm hardcore this I'm hardcore that I'm like all right well this is what I am today this is what I believe on this these issues I'm a little bit more flexible and impressionable on. I'm open to hearing it. These are ones where I'm like, no, you're gonna have to, you know, prime for my cold dead hands. But right. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I think we should normalize. <laughs> I hate that phrase, but we should normalize, <laughs> you know, change and being okay saying, ah, oh, you know what? I was wrong. That was a bad take. It's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing for to convince people that it's okay to do as well. Like right. it, it looks it, like weakness. It, Yes, it looks like weakness looks like losing and like we're definitely a culture that loves to win. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it does. It, I mean, it really does feel like losing sometimes when when you have to give up an idea that you've held for a very long time. Um, it took me so long to throw a George W. Bush sticker that I had in the trash because <laughs> I loved I loved those days when I was I was growing up. I was, you know, Republican. Uh, in Texas and went to his rallies and all that kind of stuff. And once like I started learning more and more of the truth behind his presidency and all that, it, it took me like a year after that before I was able to like, be like, okay, he was a terrible president. <laughs> it's it's hard though. Cause it's like, sometimes these, these people that we idolize, it's not so much like what they actually did. It's what they represented to us. So maybe for you, was that a time where you like were getting into your political self or like it felt like what, like, or was it, was it literally him that you were 
It was, I think it was more like there was a whole like team mentality with me and my friends and my family. Uh, I don't think it really had anything to do with him or what he was doing or anything political. I don't think I knew anything about any of that. Um, like I didn't get really into politics until like 2016. Um, and so, yeah, for, for me, it was, it was more just about enjoying all those moments with friends and family. And it was like the camaraderie that we felt like, you know, winning the presidency and all that kind of crap. You felt like Um, you felt like part of a team or like a tribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And it took me a while to figure out that like throwing away the stupid sticker wasn't uh wasn't like throwing away all those memories and all my you know my tribe with it <laughs> no that's fair yeah, yeah it's it's weird because like that is that is something i kind of m- miss was whenever i'd periodically stop by and be a part of a tribe i never lasted mm. very long in tribes because eventually i'd start like pushing back or questioning things yeah. and they'd be like all right get out but like I, I don't know i do i do miss that i do think people need that and i think maybe that's what i'm trying to find like mm. with with my channel maybe is i maybe i'm trying to find my own tribe of people because yeah yeah i think we 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 need people so i'm not trying to say like don't ever fit in don't ever blah blah blah, blah, blah. like don't don't be don't be that guy don't be a con- uh, contrarian just to be contrarian uh, which I've, <laughs> I've been guilty of but yes, uh me too <laughs> yeah that's I, I could see that where you're like i miss the tribe or, or that not not in a bad way but like a the yeah. bonding that you have yes absolutely what made you so there you know there are a million things you can do comedy about you can you know, you know sketches and all that what what made you choose cultural and political issues um honestly i mean i i do have a lot planned that are completely not political i just they don't feel as pressing because i'm gotcha. like i can do these anytime and also I don't know. I feel like things keep happening that I keep having opinions about. And I guess, I guess maybe politics and culture are probably more present. So it's, it's every time something happens, I'm like, ah, and yeah, my (laughs) therapist said something where she's like, yeah, some people, you know, they, they, they get their anger out by leaving like mean comments on the internet. She's like, you get your anger out by turning it into sketch comedy. I'm like, moi, angry. (laughs) But then I realized like, yeah, a lot of my anger turns into ridicule of like, this is dumb and not like Mm. a, I try not to make fun of people as much as I try to make fun of ideas or try to make fun of stances. Right. I mean, every once in a while, like I did kind of make fun of Sam Smith with the Grammys thing, but like, I, I yeah, I, anyway, to answer your question, cause I tend to ramble. <laughs> um, I think it was also because I grew up wanting to be on SNL. I loved sketch comedy. I loved, you know, Chappelle show. I loved whitest kids, you know, I loved like the British comedy. I loved, you know, like Tracy Ullman. Like I just love, I grew up loving it. And I, I feel like a lot of them talk about culture, but also SNL used to be like the, I don't know if it was the common language, but I felt like we had these characters that whether you were on the right or the left, you'd be quoting the Coneheads or you'd be quoting you know, the, these these characters that kind of created culture almost. Um, and then SNL started kind of, I don't know exactly when, but they started kind of going down this 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 hole where they were only catering to like one side, it felt mm. like, and they stopped being cultural commentators and they stopped being the political commentators where you're like, oh shit, I can't believe they said that, but it's true. Like that's what comedians are supposed to be. And they started throwing softballs at the left and then kind of just did low, low hanging fruit on the right. And they weren't really saying the stuff that like they could have, there were so many things that they could have said in the past couple of years that could have really been like, Ooh, 
oh, like, like, you know, like something that both sides could have been like, there were a couple, there were, there was one, what was it? It was like Republican, it was like pick the Republican or whatever. And it was basically like people and you had to decide based on just like certain viewpoints they had, whether they were Republican or not. And I think that was one that both the right and the left liked because it kind of was making fun of both sides mm. um, and their prejudices and their assumptions about the other side. So, yeah. or the, the one with Tom Hanks, I think it was on the, the black jeopardy one, where it was like the Trump supporter on black jeopardy. And they all kind of got along because they realized that working class whites and working class blacks have, actually have more in common than like upper class blacks and whites do, you know, like that. <laughs> So has it sometimes, but basically I was like, yo, y'all are like missing this huge, mm. you're not serving this huge audience, this huge niche. Like we need somebody, comedians, I think, to um, not translate the culture for people, but kind of, kind of be the cultural like leaders, maybe. I don't know. That's a, that's a big thing to say. I'm not trying to be like a cultural leader, but like, I don't know, co cultural commentator. Uh, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think comedians are more. I actually feel like comedians probably are a better source to go for or go to for your news or your. I don't want to say opinions. Like, don't don't get your opinions from us. We're probably not great people <laughs> to, to be. But to me, a good comedian is not beholden to a political ideology. They're beholden to the truth. So. Mm you have your right-wing commentators and your left-wing commentators, and they kind of have to cater to that audience. Like Fox News can't go off the rails and be like, you know what? Actually, I agree with, with AOC and also blah, blah, blah. And maybe this is a little bit crazy. You know, like, no, they have to kind of find a way to spin it so that their crowd is happy. MSNBC, Joy Reid and those clowns, like they're all going to have to do their takes for their people. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be a reliable source because no no side is always right i'm not a centrist in the sense of like oh they're both like like i'm like no there's definitely i'm probably more right-leaning when it comes to government and comes to uh spending and comes to you know the role of well i guess i'm right-leaning in that that sense of small government because i know like when the right gets in office a lot of times they suddenly make their government big so in theory <laughs> probably more there but like I don't know. I just feel like comedians, good comedians, because obviously you do have comedians that are kind of more right wing comedians or more left wing comedians. But honestly, I don't really like them as much because they're stuck. They mm. can't go after their own side because they've pandered to them and they've cultivated this crowd and now they don't want to lose yeah. them. Yep. So, you know, I think good comedians are the ones who are OK pissing off both sides or making both sides laugh. That's the goal. You don't want to piss off both sides. Like you might, you're probably going to. The goal is to make everyone laugh. But if you can't, you might as well make them, make them talk about you. I guess. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think one of the best examples of a comedian that went down the wrong road was Stephen Colbert, because um, mm -hmm. he used to be absolutely hysterical on the Colbert Report um, with his, you know, his books um, and uh, like his audio books and all that. He was fantastic. And then as soon as he got the late show or whatever he does, all he could do was left leaning comedy. And it's yeah. horrid. <laughs> do you think, because I mean, technically his character, you know, the, the, the Colbert report was always kind of a satire on right leaning commentators, but it didn't kind of. feel, it didn't feel like as mean or I don't know what, what it is that, well, I think it's even... because he has some some right leaning characteristics about himself. Like he's a Catholic, you know, like he mm -hmm. grew up in that in that world. So I don't think that I think he was able to bring some truth to it because 
he was from that world a little bit at the very least. Mm -hmm. um, there was a little bit it, of uh, empathy and kind of understanding, yeah. even if he wasn't politically that way, he understood the people and yeah. And he didn't hate them. Now it seems like he hates them, um, which is unfortunate, or at least he's acting like he does. So yeah, I, I think you're, you're totally right about that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of artists and it's a shame. Cause like, I'll talk to them. Like when I, you know, when I'm doing like voiceover stuff and I'll be at a convention in the green room, you know, you might have TV actors, like, like all the people who are at the convention will be chilling in the green room and you'll get to meet people. And I've gotten to meet some like TV actors or film actors. It's very interesting. Once you start talking to them, they like look over their shoulder and they'll tell you what they actually think. And I think that was another thing why I felt like I had to make my channel because I was talking to people who are way bigger than me in the industry and they're scared. They're like, look, I like, I, I just want to work. I got kids to feed. Like, you know, I can't, I can't get caught having the wrong, you know, wrong think or whatever. Cause like, you know, I, I have nothing else. Like this has been my career. I can't go and get like a real job after being in this industry for 30 years. I have no resume, you know? Like, so I kind of was like, okay, like, these people that you would think, I mean, Grant, it's not like the people that are, I think the loudest ones on Twitter do believe it. Mm. You know, like I'm sure Mark Ruffalo probably actually believes what he's saying, even though <laughs> I, I feel so bad for him because he seems like a nice guy. He's just very ill-informed mm. uh, calling, you know, child predators, Jojo, you know, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but it sounds bad. <laughs> he was talking about um, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. And he was like talking about the victim the victims you know and he's like you know poor you know poor oh fuck what's his name anthony and uh i think it was like anthony and jojo it's like joe jo was it joseph Ro rosenbaum I, it's been like my brain blocked it out basically the guy who had just gotten out of out of like a mental facility yeah. and he had been he had been in jail for like what 12 years or something for having sex with underage boys Goodness and I'm like, Mark gracious. Ruffalo, you just called him Jojo. You gave him a pet name. Like, but he probably didn't know that. So I'm like, I'm trying to give people some grace, but I'm also <laughs> like, you know, you do have your, your Hollywood people that really think that they're doing good because they think the left is synonymous with virtue and tolerance and all that. And that the right is fascism and whatever. And I'm just like, you're all wrong. You're all, it's just a bunch of straw men. But a lot of people in this industry are actually pretty reasonable people and they're mm. just trapped. Yeah, I have so. found that. Like, I don't think anybody like who decided to go into acting 20 years ago thought that like ha signed up for this, for what's happening <laughs> yeah. today. Where if you say one thing, your career could be over. And like, if no you don't say anything, that's the weirdest thing. Mm -hmm. I had friends in the during the summer of love in 2020 where they were like, what do I say? Because they're like, they're telling me silence is violence, but I haven't posted anything on Twitter. I haven't posted a black square yet. And people are saying, why haven't you posted a black square? Are you against black people? You mm. know, it was just like this whole thing. And I'm like, I kind of was spared that just because I'm marginally black. Like my dad's black. I'm very light skinned. But for whatever these stupid identity politics reasons, I kind of got to skate by and I got to get all the sympathy texts from my friends. Like they're messaging <sighs> me about George Floyd being like, oh, my God, are you OK? I'm like, what? I don't know anybody named George. What's happened? What? You know, like as if somehow all black people know each other. Like we all are on the same like telegram thread or whatever. And it's right. just like, oh yeah, George. Like, I don't fucking know. I'm just like, I'm that's a terrible thing that happened. Mm. But also, you don't message me when somebody gets shot in Chicago or like a black kid, <laughs> you know, dies, you know, like in the streets. Like, I why are you messaging me about this now? Like, shut the fuck up. But I understand they're trying to be. They're trying to be considerate. They were, but it was very weird that they were like, well, you get a pass because you're brown, but the white actors need to 
answer for slavery. They need to answer for this hatred. They need to answer for this mm. and that. And if they don't say anything, so like not even being neutral, not even saying nothing could yeah. get you out of it. You had to say exactly what they, the words, you know, it is not enough to be, what is it actively? Oh, I don't even know. I read the book. It was terrible. Anti-racist. <laughs> it's, oh it's, my God. Yeah. It's what, so it, what was that? Yeah. I forget, I forget the exact quote, but it was terrible. It is not enough to be actively, because it's nonsense. That's why I don't remember it. Like it doesn't stick with me, but I, my friend actually gave me that book, uh, which is funny because he's my, my, my white friend gave me a copy of the book because I said I wasn't oppressed. I was like, look, I'm, I know that there's people out there who individuals out there who are absolutely racist. And I'm sure that there have been people who have been affected by that. I personally have not been held back from anything I ever wanted to do except by me or by my lack of ability in something or by my lack of uh, persistence or whatever, you know, like I've right. been able to do everything I wanted to do in this country. And uh, he's like, it sounds like you need this. Oh, I also, cause I had told him I was a libertarian. He's like, no, you're not. You're, you're not a libertarian. <laughs> and so he Don't gave you love me when people the, tell you what you are, <laughs> especially cause I'm like, I know, I don't think he realized the optics of it where he thought he, you know, he's like this like social justice warrior, but I'm like, you're a white dude telling a Brown woman that she's, she can't know her own mind and that you have to tell her her own mind and gave her a copy <laughs> of how to be an anti-racist. So I'm like, this feels a little patronizing. Maybe is, is this white supremacy that you speak of? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was weird. So I, but I did read the book cause I always feel like challenging everything you believe. Like, I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it'll surprise me. And there were a couple mm. passages that I highlighted. I'm like, okay, like interesting take. But for the most part, it was nonsense. Like he defines words using those words. Yes. Like racism is Can't defined as like systems that <laughs> uphold racism. I'm like, that's not. And yet this guy, and he's like what an Ivy League professor. Mm -hmm. And he's complaining about this country being racist and holding him back. I'm like, bro. Bro, you got you like you sold books, you you make money, you famous, you good. And so that was kind of interesting that a lot of the friends who I had who espoused, you know, anti-racism or a lot of these kind of Marxist or postmodernist deconstructive or deconstruction kind of ideas hadn't even read the book. Like they hadn't read yeah. the book that they were referencing. And that was so weird to me. <laughs> so yeah. anyway. I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how many people would send me things like articles about books or about podcasts or stuff like that, where they were basically like they were attacking cultural issues and stuff. And then I would go and watch the actual full podcast that it was referencing or the read the book that it was referencing. And it was clear that they had not read, they had read the the headline of the article and nothing else. Right. They had and, read the, or they'd seen like enough TikToks about it. And yeah. like maybe some tweets about it to be like, yeah, this is. The, and I'm like, no, like this book yeah. literally says the only way to solve past discrimination is to discriminate against people in the present. The only way to stop uh, future, mm. solve future discrimination. Oh, my God. No, the only way to solve present discrimination is to, is to discriminate in the future. Like, it's just like the cycle of it's like an eye for an eye. I'm like, how is the white people who are around now? had nothing to do with what happened generations ago, but sure. Just if we were just, if my ancestors were discriminated against, which is horrible and was wrong and the mm -hmm. government played a big part in that. Mm -hmm. why, why are we blaming, why are we blaming people who were born like, you know, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like they're like, you know, right. teenagers or whatever, but like they're, I don't know. I just, so anyway, I'm going off on 10 million <laughs> tangents, but clearly no, I have many it's feelings all good. about this. It's all good. Um, so I want to talk, I want to hear about your process. So like if once you get an idea for a sketch, 
how long does it take for that to become like to be on camera, to be put online? Like what's the process there? It could be very quick depending on like how it is weird. Like I, I don't usually actually, that's not true. I'm always woo woo, but I, I get very woo woo when it comes to my, uh, my process. Cause it feels like it hits me. It'll be like inspiration, but it doesn't work if somebody tells me to make a sketch about something. Mm. Like if somebody says, Hey, can you make a sketch about whatever? My brain's like, no, it's more like I'll, ha- I'll be watching something and be like, Oh, that's funny. And then I'll kind of be like, okay, well, what's funny about it? Okay. Well, what if you took that and turned it up to 11? Oh, that's even funnier. Like, so that's kind of tends to be what happens is it'll be like a hook, like something like with the gas stoves and seeing people be like, gas stoves are deadly and you you libertarians and and conservatives just want people to die and i was like you know what people need to know about the danger of these gas stoves you're right like this is i think we need to have mothers against gas assault stoves um and yeah so i i have i don't know it's some some sketches i've been sitting on for like two years um like i'll usually write them pretty quickly but then I'll yeah. kind of go back. Sometimes I'll, sometimes they'll just be ready. Sometimes I'll write it in like one sitting and be like, okay, yeah, no, that's, that's good. Other times I'll write it and be like, mm. especially when it gets uh, political, I feel like sometimes it can get a little too heavy handed because sometimes I want to make it clear what I'm saying. And I realize that doesn't necessarily always make for good comedy or good art because you don't want to tell your audience, you know, like right. that's what, like if I wanted to pair to be like, hey, audience, this is for you, not for you. What I'm not saying is this. What I am saying is this. Like, that's, I could do that. But, and I think I did that with some of my older sketches. I was a little bit more on the nose with what I was trying to say. Yeah. Whereas now I'm kind of just like, all right, well, this is what's funny to me. You can decide what I'm saying. Um, so, I like yeah. That. I, I, it's, it's, it's scary, though, because then I'm completely vulnerable to what people assume I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, like when I put out the Mothers Against Gas Assault Stoves, I got a ton of like, I got like a thousand Twitter or a TikTok followers from it, um, like overnight. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they were all like, you know, I will die free. Fuck TikTok, you know, MAGA mommy and all that stuff. And I was like, I mean, look, I want everybody to follow me, but it was weird. Cause I'm like, wait, are they seeing something I'm not seeing? And they're all like, yeah, MAGA, hell yeah. And I was like, y'all don't know why I put that in there. could have just been a funny acronym. Like, but the, it was just interesting to see like, you know, yeah. and then some uh, some left leaning people be like, "How dare you?" Not a ton, but like, uh, I did have somebody be like, "This was in poor taste." My father died from carbon monoxide po- poisoning. Also, your sketch, like your video, is not even funny. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you throw that in at the end, just jab yeah, you a little yeah, just, bit. just not even funny. <laughs> and I did actually feel bad for a second because I was like, "Was like, was that in poor taste?" Like, but I'm like, I can't know that somebody's dad died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Like I'm not clearly, I'm not making fun of your dad. I'm sorry that happened. But also that that's the thing is you kind of just have to like, let go of how people perceive you. And that's been the hardest thing for me. Cause that's like growing up. I always was like, turn around and don't look at me. Cause I wanted to control how I was seen. I wanted to control, I don't know. And so now I have to accept like, you know, you're going to Ryan Long's a comedian. I really like, and I remember listening to his podcast when his sketch first blew up the one that was about like woke the woke people and racists and how they basically had like all the same ideas and that's like kind of what put him on the map i mean he had been you know doing comedy for a while but like yeah he had you know he had done tons of episodes of his podcast but like that episode was kind of him kind of wrestling with like 
this is weird. People are kind of putting words in my mouth and then the conservatives think I'm for them. And the other side thinks I'm for them. And I'm just trying to make stuff that makes people laugh, man. And so that was, and now he's totally chill with it. Now he's, he understands and now he like leans into it. And I like, I, I really respect his work, but I just, it was cool to see the kind of human moment when he wasn't used to that yet, where he's like, um, what do I do? So <laughs> no, that is, yeah. that's a really hard thing to open yourself up like that because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, um, I make movies and I put a movie out, um, a couple of years ago, uh, it was on Amazon. It got some good reviews. It got a couple bad reviews, but one of the terrible reviews that it got, the guy totally missed the point of the movie. And that was why he gave a bad review. Because and it was just stupid. like, dude, why can't I just like reach to the screen and talk to you and be like, come on. Like you completely missed what I was trying to say. Um, and gave a bad review on top of that, just because you right. didn't like what you thought I was trying you didn't to say. get it. <laughs> yeah. That's a man as artists. I feel like we're probably a little too like too, I don't know, close to our work. Cause I'm like that too. Like just this morning I was having a meeting with somebody cause I'm trying to figure out like, okay, like what sketches should I put out? Cause I don't like doing short form, but that's what everybody wants. So I'm trying to figure out like which sketches can I clip to kind of, you know, share yeah. them in like a one, you know, vertical one minute, whatever thing. And uh, I was like, well, what about, you know, Black at the Christie or what about, you know, Francie Clue and the death of nuance. And she's like, yeah, those didn't grab me. And I was like, look, those are my favorite sketches. Like when I put those out, I'm like, these are my masterpieces. Like when I, when I die, I want people to play these at my funeral. That'd be weird to play sketches at a funeral. But you know what I mean? Like, I want people to be like, wow, she was ahead of I'd her time. Of <laughs> and the fact that you, the fact that you didn't, they didn't grab you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, hmm. like I just got very <laughs> artist about it. I was like, I mean, uh -huh. I didn't get that like that, but in my head, I was like, and I texted my friend later. I'm like, are they not good? I mean, I mean, they're right. good, right? It makes you it makes you doubt your whole body of work. <laughs> yeah, the fact that those are my literal favorites. Like when I watch them, I'm like, these are the ones that I'm like, yeah. This is like, I'm like, oh, the nuance in that facial expression, that reaction. Oh, the, the cleverness of the layered jokes there, the joke density. Oh, yeah, this is great. And the fact that it's like, mm, it's too slow. Didn't grab me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, no, I, I, I watching... completely know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was watching, was it Lieutenant, um, not Lieutenant, um, the Banshees of uh, Inna Sharon. Um, Martin McDonough is like one of my favorite playwrights. And then he became a movie director and writer. He did um, in Bruges, seven oh, psychopaths. Oh yes. I was about to, yeah. before Three billboards, you, something you said talk, uh, reminded me of seven psychopaths. Oh, the eye for an eye bit. Mm -hmm. the, uh, yeah. The whole I, <laughs> leaves the whole world I, blind. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> his, his writing and his style. I think it's the whole kind of like, I mean, I know he's, he's Irish, but he's also British, but like the whole like British UK, like just dark understated comedy is it's just, that's, that's my jam. I don't like it when oh. people like really indicate, like you should laugh. Like I really like it when people play it very serious, very straight and let the words or let the performances really be the, the thing. And I was watching this movie and I was like, I bet you most people are probably like, oh, this is too slow. This is whatever. And they're completely missing the yeah. humor and the darkness and the, ugh, I don't know. Anyway, for <laughs> artists artsing out about things, but. It's all good. Speaking of films and uh, the like, I'm going to pull up yet again, the great create. And look at this. What's this little thing down here? 
Are you gonna be at are you gonna be at the Great Create Day Walker? Looks like I'm gonna be there twice. I'll be there as like <laughs> my, my real version and my Hannah Montana version. <laughs> awesome. That's I mean, yes. it looks like I'm gonna be there twice as well. Look, we kind of make an X on this page. We it's do. Funny. It's like a tic-tac-toe <laughs> kind of connect four. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exciting. Um, I know that uh, Elizabeth is super stoked that, that you're okay with showing some sketches while we're there and oh, all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's, uh, it's going to be a really good time. We've got So we've got my movie. We've got uh, Monopoly on Violence is going to be there. We've got a couple more in the works. And I think the idea is you know how they used to show like little things before each film, uh, mm -hmm. like at a film festival or like just even in the theaters, they used to show like little cartoons little or shorts. something. Yeah. I think what the idea is, is we're going to put your, like some of your shorter stuff before each film. Um, and That'd then we're going to awesome. have, then we're going to have a whole block of just your stuff. Is, is oh, what okay. That's what I'm going to go for. <laughs> well, the rate at which I've been cranking out stuff these past couple weeks, I'm sure you'll have a lot to choose from because I'm trying to, yeah. I was trying to do more evergreen stuff because I kind of like the idea of people coming to it like, you know, two yeah. years, three years, 10 years later and being like, oh, this is still relevant, you know, still culturally, yeah. whatever. But I understand to, to hit that algorithm, you got to be able to be like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to make a joke about the spy balloon. You know, and I, I put out like, I'm, I made like three of them this weekend. <laughs> So like, oh, yeah. I gotta get no, those I, spy balloon jokes out before they're not funny anymore. I watched the spy balloon one. That was hilarious. It cracked me oh, up. The, the munchkin. <laughs> the, yes, the munchkin <laughs> one cracked me up. Y'all, you gotta go to Daywalker comedy. Um, <laughs> it's so well, dumb, but I was just like, I well, mean, why not? <laughs> it's. Just, it, I mean, I, I was cracking up. But yeah, so the great create, everybody. Um, I'm going to promote it at the beginning and end of every single free Georgia podcast until, until it comes about. Um, so get your tickets now. It's 87 days away. It's going to be a grand old time. Um, Amanda. Is it too where... late for people to get their stuff in there? Like if, if somebody has like a short film or whatever, like, is it, Oh, are the blocks yeah. already? No, the blocks are not full. Um, if you have short films, if you have, if you're a musician and you want to uh, do a set or something like that at the, at the festival, please hit us up. You can contact me at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. Um, you can also contact uh, Elizabeth Melton at, um, what is her email? Communications at lpgeorgia.com, I believe. Um, yes, we are actively looking for films and musical acts and comedy acts. So okay, great. all of those. We, we've got a bunch lined up, but we always need more to make it even better. I'll um, ask around. Awesome. That'd be great. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at Daywalker Comedy across all the places. Uh, they got the, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, uh, the Twitters, YouTube. Nice. YouTube's kind of my main thing, even though YouTube treats me so poorly. But I got hit with a, <laughs> I got hit with a hate speech uh, warning for oh. a video because I'm like talking about 1950s racists and i was re reacting to a video that was basically saying hey don't be racist and i made some spicy jokes but also there's a moment where i used a clip from kanye's interview with alex jones literally just because i thought it was funny because he said it, you know he's like it was funny he had the mask on and he's like i love hitler i practice chinese water water torture on myself you know like it was literally just an out of context clip but i think yeah. i think that that clip was what 
did me in because they decided to pull all instances of it and they pulled it from YouTube and gave me a permanent hate speech warning. And I was like, great. Yay. Awesome. Yeah, we have <laughs> a few of those. You do? <laughs> oh, we have we have some strikes. <laughs> so what is the what is the rule? You can rack them up as long as they're not like as long as they're as long as they're spaced out, you can get them indefinitely. Yes. As long as they're spaced out so far is what we've found. Uh, like they'll say this strike goes away at this time. And so generally we wait to have on somebody who's going to say <laughs> questionable things until after that point. <laughs> That's kind of where I am. I have a couple sketches that I want to do, but I'm waiting until I'm monetized. Cause I'm like, well, I know when you go through the monetization process, they kind of look at your videos, kind of see stuff. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I probably shouldn't put my video about the, you know, white supremacists on there because I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, but I'm like, I'll wait until afterwards because I'm fair. making a good point, but they might see like, oh, she's got a clan, a clan hood that's bedazzled that says racist club on it. I'm like, yeah, because I'm fabulous. <laughs> I made it out of a, a pillowcase. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like that. I, I, I would have appreciated getting the hate speech label after that, after I actually did something. But really? Yeah. Kanye? Yeah. According to somebody I was, else. Come on. Yeah. No, I'm like, I literally, I wasn't even like, oh, I agree with him or not. It was literally just a, here's a funny clip. And then they yeah. were like, you, you, you go, Mama Susan, just like pimp hand. That's absurd. Pimp handed me. So Amanda, we're, anyway. we're coming to the end here. Um, do you have anything else you want to get out there for people to know? I'm trying to think. Um, I'm also on Rumble, Odyssey, uh, and I just relaunched um, today, relaunching my new TikTok, but I actually don't remember what we changed it to. I think the old one's still alive, but I think the algorithm was mad at me, so we're seeing <laughs> if maybe I can kind of break out of that and just get a new algorithm. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, eh, anyway, none of you are probably on TikTok anyway, so it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, follow me there. Or if you're an anime nerd, uh, find me at, at Amanda C. Miller VO. So you can kind of keep up when I'm going to a convention or nice. get your nerdy swag signed. And uh, yeah. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and coming on Thanks the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll have to do it again. Um, we uh, will be having Liberty Libations on Thursday night um, and most Thursday nights from here on out. Um, I also am trying to release this podcast every single Tuesday. So uh, that's your two, calendar. Two shows a week. Two shows a week. It's 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 a lot. Um, it's a lot for a non-paying gig. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, you're probably volunteering, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit. Um, anyway. Come join us on Thursday night. It's me and a few other folks, and we just talk Liberty stuff. We watch a bunch of videos from the week, and uh, it's a really good time. Bring a drink. Um, yeah, I think that's it for now. We're going to have one of Amanda's sketches play us out, um, then the credits will roll, and that'll be that. Um, thank you again for joining us, Amanda. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good time. All right. Well, let's see what you got here. Hi. Satanic? Really? Uh, do not give me credit for this. World Wars. Me. Genocides. Me. I did some light collapse with some metal bands back in the 80s, but I really want to be known for my biggest hits. You know, um, Hatred, Cultural Division, Timothy Chalamet, uh, you know, just this whole general vibe. But seriously, like, what, what, what is this? This is this, is this crappy plagiarism at, at best. You cause humans to stumble by being seductive, you know? You just flash my little titty or something. Well, I mean, I guess you did. A for effort, uh, but... 
also double F for all, all that. My entire shtick is getting people to turn to the dark side, not run away screaming. Christians, conservatives, thank you for staying vigilant, always trying to uh, you know, spread the, the, the good word about me and always tagging the crap out of me whenever some celebrity does something edgy for attention and free publicity. We artists always appreciate being credited for our work. And I love you guys. I wouldn't be here without your belief in me, but I just, I, I, I need, I'm gonna need you to chill. Not everything is of me, you know? There is authentic brand name Satan and then there's generic uh, Chinese knockoff Satan. Learn the difference. This video brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends.